Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to invest in yourself and tune in today. As the name says, we are business creators. We have entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others create their businesses, and we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers as you market and grow your business. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment. Explore our episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Also, be sure to check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Nearly 160 episodes as of now have been uploaded. Subscribe. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated, and fresh content will be delivered right to your iTunes every single week. Our episodes broadcast uh, typically every Tuesday morning, although if you're listening to this three years from now, we may be doing it on a different day, but for the past three years, they've been every Tuesday morning, and it makes for the beginning of a very great day, and that's why I'm so glad you've tuned in with us. Now, for today's topic, what we're going to be talking about is team building, and specifically, we are going to be talking about how to build the best teams for your business, and this is a topic I'm very excited about because one of the challenges that we have in business is creating the kind of environment that encourages our people to give their best and to be their most creative selves. As business creators, it's our job to create healthy teams. And if we're members of teams, it's our responsibility to help foster healthy teams by doing our part in showing leadership. Part of that leadership is creating and implementing strategies based on our people's strengths, thereby creating value for your customers and your community, which, of course, translates into more profits for you. Now, have you ever wondered, and I think I'm asking a rhetorical question here, folks. Have you ever wondered if there's a way to get your team to work more, make more money, and work more efficiently? I believe that's a rhetorical question because almost everybody I've ever spoken with will say, hell yes, to that question. And did you know that companies with engaged employees realize 47% more income? Uh, in some cases, that's gross revenues. In some cases, it's adjusted gross. some cases, 47% more profit, more than those with unengaged employees. So today, we have a very interesting person on the line. Um, her name is Osai Amokpai Lasisi. And what she's going to do is she's going to share with us why teams are so important and what you're tuning in for, how good business creators build better teams. If you lead people, you've got to be here and you've got to have your pen and paper out. Osai, welcome aboard. It is so great to have you here on the Business Creators Radio Show. Thank you, Adam. It's such a pleasure to be listening. It's such a pleasure to be speaking with you today. Thank you for the opportunity. The feeling is absolutely mutual. Uh, now, I've just... Uh, explain the importance of why we have you here. But what I was hoping we could do is just have you tell us a little bit about your story and what it is that uh, brought you to where you are today uh, at the intersection of your dream and at the intersection of your brilliance and passion and your work with helping people build teams. 
Okay. So <laughs> when you say tell your story, do I start from childbirth? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> really, um, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a licensed attorney. Uh, all my life I wanted to be an attorney. So I went to law school. I passed the bar exam and everything, and I was really excited. I'm an attorney. Yay. And then all of a sudden I realized that I wasn't as excited about legal writing, you know, memos and contracts and stuff as I thought I would be. So I started thinking about what else, what else would I be interested in? And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I was passionate about people. And so that was how I transitioned into working in HR. And while I was in HR, um, I held the position of a director where I had over 3,000 staff members that I was working with. And it was a really good experience. But what I realized was that a lot of organizations did not understand the whole process of creating structures. They did not understand that there are things that you can do today that would make people more engaged, that would make people more excited to work with you, that would help them to bring their best to work and be willing to sacrifice a little bit more because sometimes that's what you just need. You just need somebody that feels like if I sacrifice, it'll be worth it. And a lot of people don't feel like if they sacrifice, it'll be worth it. So that was how I got into this because the more we worked on it in my organization, the more I talked about it with other people, and the more I realized that, wow, some of these things that we're doing, some of these things that we're implementing, a lot of people are not even aware of it. You know, so, so essentially, that's just a brief synopsis of how I got into what I do currently. Well, that's, and you know, I think a lot of people experience that, experience that, and that's part of the reason why this is such a pertinent topic and why when we had the opportunity to bring you onto the Business Creators Radio Show, uh, we jumped on it because we recognize this is something that I think people really need to hear. Now, there is one question we ask everybody who appears on the Business Creators Radio Show. And although I think we touched on some of this in my own introduction, I have to ask you this because I ask everybody. And our listeners are used to me doing the drum roll, and my cat's usually sitting next to me like she is right now. She gets all excited when I do this, because even <laughs> she knows what's coming, and she's a cat. Aren't you there? That's a pretty girl. Hey, I'm a cat guy. What can I say? Everybody knows. All right. So, as follows. Here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. A lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement anything that anybody who comes on this show says they need to do, except for time and money. And as I said, we ask this question of everybody who appears on the Business Creators Radio Show. And what I like is not only the variety of different answers we get, but also the variety of different ways that our various guest experts interpret the question. So, Asai, how do time and money impact what you're going to share with us today? Mm, that's a good question. So time and money, it will definitely impact what you're able to do. But the main thing you have to realize is to get the best out of people, you focus on relationships. Yes, you're going to invest time in people, and yes, you're going to invest money in people. But in the end, it's about the relationship. It's not about the amount of time or the amount of money. But it's all intertwined in the, in the end. Right. And I think you're absolutely right about that. So... Uh, and as we already we already covered that if you when you put time into team building, you usually get more money. Usually, 
but there may be some exceptions to that, and I'm going to ask you a couple questions about this as we go along. Uh, but first of all, let's just lay down some foundations, and I want to get your language around a couple things, if, if you may. The first of all is, why are teams so important? Okay. Um, there is a proverb that says, if you want to go quicker, go by yourself. But if you want to go further, go with a group of people, go with a team. There is nobody that can do everything. Nobody can do everything by themselves. Nobody is great at everything. So you need to be able to have people that can use their strengths. If somebody loves doing paperwork. Somebody loves doing um, uh, meeting people and speaking with people. Somebody loves sitting at their desk and researching. You need these different types of people. Yes, one person might be able to do everything to some extent, but they will probably be a little bit frustrated because they won't be working in their strengths. So you want to have people who are working in their strengths, people who are excited to be doing the work, and that's why you need teams. Because when you're trying to do it all by yourself, yes, you might be able to do it, but at the end of the day, you're drained. Why not have you know, a group of people where everybody's empowered, everybody's ready to do, and everybody can specialize so that everything is done efficiently, and then you can be more efficient, and you can be more productive, and you can make a lot more money. Yeah, they, and these are some pretty common concepts. Uh, now, we're going to be talking throughout the course of the next uh, 45 minutes or so about how to build better teams, and there's some scenarios I want to run by you here. Uh, the first one I want to ask you is okay. kind of a zinger, uh, but this is something that I feel personally about as well. So if you'll allow me to briefly tell you a little bit about my experiences, because I've owned a couple different businesses over the course of the past 13 years, and one of those businesses in particular was heavily, in, you know, heavily reliant on teams. And the challenges I ran into are, uh, it was a virtual business, it was a web development company, uh, we ran it until 2010 when we shut it down. And the challenge that I, that I ran into is virtual team members, and they all had their own businesses. So as much as I was passionate about the work that uh, my company was doing, for all of them, this was mostly, uh, you know, this was just another client of theirs. Now, they did great work. They did excellent work. Uh, so I'm not saying anything about that, but as it should be, is appropriate. Obviously, their own business is their own passion, and we're a client. Now, a lot of companies run into the same thing, where they would love to have their own team members, where it maybe it's a it's a full time employee or somebody where they can be such a big piece of their team members' time that they can be like one of their their team members' top clients, so they'll always get priority, but. For a lot of businesses that are really just in cash flow mode or looking to get by from one month to the next and looking to break out of that hurdle and, and get to the point where they're realizing the increased revenues and profits, that's a real challenge. So my question to you is, uh, when people have their own businesses and you're their client, uh, how do you overcome that hurdle of getting them to feel as if they're invested in your company like it's their own so that they will give you the results that you're looking for? Excellent question. So it really, I mean, there are some nuances when, um, when you, have a, you have more of a contract staff or a part-time staff or a temporary right. staff member. 
Well, for the most part, I have the, the team result maximizer system that I train my clients through, which is just there are just five steps that you really need to understand, you really need to pay attention to. And the first is self-mastery. You need to understand yourself. You need to understand what makes you tick. You need to understand what kinds of people you worked well with before. Because oftentimes people, you know, when you hire somebody, you immediately say they're the issue. But it's not always them, you know. Sometimes the issue is you as the employer, not just the employee. So oftentimes we need to work on understanding our own self, understanding what frustrates us, understanding what's our own strength, understanding the kinds of things that we do well and we don't do well. So if, train, if we don't do training well, then we need to outsource training so that these people don't get frustrated because they're working with us. Then the second thing is we need to work on understanding other people. Because when you're hiring somebody, they don't think like you. They're not like you. They don't have the experiences. They don't, they're not you, essentially. So this is something that we need to work on understanding. Because once you can understand who that person is and how you can communicate well with them, then you'll be able to get the best out of them. You know, we can expand more on that, but I want to go into the third step, which is one of the most essential, and that is your onboarding process. Oftentimes, people do not onboard. They do not train, and onboarding has to do with a change of um, responsibility. So anytime there's a new responsibility, anytime there's a new hire, you need to onboard them. They need to understand your process. Even if they say, I'm experienced with MailChimp, I'm experienced with ConvertKit, I'm experienced with whatever it is, you have a system that works works for you. You have a system that you like. You have a system that you feel is efficient for you. So if this person comes and says, yes, I'm experienced with this and this is what I want to do, unless you're you know, interested in doing something different, you start to get tense that this person is not quite understanding what I want them to do. Right. Then, especially when you're in the virtual community, when it's a virtual relationship, you also need to have um, risk management types of training. What happens if there's a power outage or a power failure where your, your staff member is or your um, virtual employee is? What happens? What are they supposed to do? If they don't have internet access, what are they supposed to do? If they're going through something like a personal issue, what are they supposed to do? Because oftentimes we don't have these discussions. We don't have these trainings. And then things start to fall apart in the relationship. So once you have these three things, the next thing you want to have is appreciation. Oftentimes we think, okay, I'm appreciating them, you know, I pay on time, I don't say anything negative about them. But sometimes you need to you need to take the time out to have to, to focus on appreciation. I call it the appreciation trifecta. You need to have scheduled appreciation where you're like, you know what, every Tuesday I'm going to tell them how much I appreciate something they've done. I know scheduling sounds ridiculous, but sometimes you just need to do that. Then you need to have the, the spontaneous appreciation. They did something phenomenal, right? Something really amazing that you couldn't even have fathomed yourself. They've done it so well. So then you appreciate them. You're like, oh my gosh, Bianca, this is amazing. You did such a great job. And then you have the unscheduled appreciation where it's like, okay, maybe once a year or once every couple of months, once a quarter, you're going to do something a little bit bigger. Um, Maybe they don't live around you, so maybe what you'll do is send them a gift basket. 
or a really nice coupon to Amazon or a gift card or something. Something that tells them, you know what, I value you. Then finally, we need to work on communication because what makes a difference is the way we communicate, the way we communicate with the people we work with. The way you speak, the way you're used to speaking, uh, it, it, it's really different. Because like with my family, we can be loud and we can have fun and it can be so exciting. And then I've had friends come in and they're just like, why are you guys fighting? And we're not fighting, we're just having fun. That's because that's the way we communicate. We're used to each other. But for somebody who's not used to us, that sounds like shouting. So we need to work on that communication. And then something that is really essential, especially in the first couple of months of somebody working with you, is you need to have those weekly meetings where you tell them. I like to say, give them three things that they're doing well. Tell them three things. Look, um, this first week you worked with me, you did this, this, this very well. This, then you give them three things that, you did, that they didn't do so well. Okay, these are the three things that I didn't like. Um, these are three things I think you need to improve upon because of this, 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 and this is how it's going to affect our clients, this is how it affects the business, blah, blah, blah. And then finally, give them the opportunity to give you three things that uh, feedback to you. Like, what are three things that you've enjoyed working with us or three things you've not enjoyed, three ways that we can improve so that their relationship can be better. So those are some of the tips that I would share, and I use the virtual team member more because that was the um, example that you gave. But essentially, it comes back to the communication. It comes back to the kind of relationship that you're building with this person. Okay. Uh, here's another thing that I want to, um, I want to get into uh, because uh, this speaks to the team member's own sense that what they're doing makes a difference. Now, sometimes you have organizations where the business owner or one person basically has to approve, you know, review and approve everything that happens in the business. Now, if that person is, you know, Johnny on the spot and, uh, and they have a Herculean time and energy where they can work 26 hours a day, eight days a week, they might be able to keep up with that. But for the rest of us humans, that can be pretty daunting. Now, what happens from the team member's perspective is they may be making a lot of contributions. They may be putting together reports. They may be putting together marketing materials. They may be designing things. They may be coming up with new policy initiatives. Uh, they may have uh, a customer service issue where uh, the solution that's required to solve this problem is above their allowance for what they can solve without checking with somebody first. And if it all goes to that one person and things start to bottleneck, then people start to say, well, why am I continuing to contribute things and put them into this queue, and I never get to see the results of my work, and they lose interest? So the question is, and this is really for, from the business owner's perspective or the team leader's perspective, is why do you find, two-part question here, Asai, why do you find that people sometimes have to approve everything or have everything pass over their desk before it can get implemented, and if they find themselves blocked in that area where they just can't seem to set their team free to help them generate results, how can they knock down those walls, so to speak, so that their team can have the empowerment and the emancipation to spread the power? Okay. So um, 
what I have observed when those situations occur is that there is a lack of trust in the organization. Okay. Now I understand that as a business owner, you cannot you cannot delegate everything. There are some things that you just have to keep to yourself, especially when it comes to finances. There are some things that are very sensitive. Right. However, there needs to be an understanding that you cannot be the one making all the decisions. So if you are surrounded by people that you don't trust enough to make decisions, then there is something that you need to work on because that means there is some kind of issue. That means you're either hiring the wrong people for you or you think you're hiring the wrong people for you or something. There is a trust issue. Now, for your team members to be their best, they have to feel like you trust them because they'll always be afraid, like you said, that their, their whatever they suggested, whatever they recommended is going to be in the queue forever or it's not even going to be used or somebody's going to put it down. One of the first things that the, the team leader can work on is the communication aspect of it. They need to work on understanding what is it about that person or what is it about these team members or what is it about this decision that makes me so weary, that makes me so concerned, that makes me so nervous. Right. And then they need to work on how they can communicate well with people so that people understand that, okay, not everything is going to be a consensus and not everything is going to be a, um, or just a one-man decision. But if the majority of the decisions in the organization is based on that one person, then the organization is not going to be able to grow or expand. So that's something that they would have to really, really go back and sit down and think about. Because oftentimes, some of the people I've worked with, the challenge is that maybe they, they came from a failed organization where there weren't enough structures. So a lot of things were loose. There were a lot of loose ends and a lot of money got lost or, the, you know, the organization failed because of those lack of a structure. And so they tried to create a structure, but then they become too, too strict with the structure. And so it becomes... What is essential? What are the essential things that you need to pay attention to? That really, they're so, um, they're so important, they're so private that you really cannot give it to everybody else. Then right. who can you trust with these things? Can you trust some professionals? Are there professionals who can help you with some of these things so that you can delegate some of these things? But in the end, it depends on what you want, though. So I have to step back a little bit because some leaders do not want a multi-billion-dollar organization. They might be fine with a couple hundred thousands or whatever. Right. So if that's what you want and you're okay with that, then I guess that's okay. But if you're expecting to grow your organization to its fullest extent, then you're going to need to put those structures there, and that will help you to be able to make decisions more efficiently and that will also make your team to feel more valued, to feel more, um, uh, they'll feel more empowered, and they'll be more likely to to tell you things that you need to know because they're the ones they're the ones working in the in the company. They're the ones you know using their hands and doing the work. So they're doing this day to day, and they see the challenges, the day to day challenges. You're essentially, unless you're a micromanager. You're essentially just seeing the overview, and there's there's a benefit to that, 
but sometimes there's some things you're not going to be able to see, so some of your decisions will be flawed because you're not seeing how it impacts the day-to-day um, parts of the organization. Okay, let me, uh, let me uh, give you an example here. Uh, this is somebody I know who most of the work they do is ghostwriting. So they write email copy, they write web pages, they write blog posts for their clients. Uh, it has the client's name on it. It's in the client's voice. It's about the client's business. It uh, takes the client's personality. Their own name is not really on this at all because they understand that ghostwriter means ghost. Uh, they know that they don't get to be a ghostwriter and then 30 years later complain that uh, complain about being the ghostwriter, especially when their name was on the cover of the book. They know that they're a mercenary. They get paid but the world never gets to see their brilliance through their own name. It's always under somebody else's byline. Now, many ghostwriters, uh, especially once they establish a great relationship with their clients, uh, get the autonomy. And this is something that you know, I do a little bit of this myself, and this is actually something that I require, is that they have the ability to write things and have them go out without a big oversight process. But what we run into sometimes, and this is where marketing tends to get held up a lot, is you have the person who's doing the writing, and they're doing the ghost writing, but then it has to go through this big review process. So every little piece has to be scrutinized with a magnifying glass. But then, on the other hand, they'll have other clients who, the client doesn't even know what you're doing. They don't even know what you're strategically thinking about. They just uh, they just recognize that you have their best interests in play, that you're up to something, you're either you're doing nurturing or whether you're doing uh, ascension or whether you're doing re-engagement or whether you're moving people into a list building or a revenue event, uh, preceding, surveying, uh, engaging, whatever it is, they don't need to even know what your emails are going to be about before they go out. They just go out. So basically what I've done is I've created a contrast. You have the, uh, you have the team leader, we'll just call him the team leader to make this simpler, who needs to review every scrap of marketing material before it goes out. And then you have the other team leader where they have their ghostwriter just pumping it out and they don't even review it first. They don't even, a lot of times, know what the person's up to, but it always seems to work out and they tend to get more customers and make more money. So we have two different styles here. Mm-hmm. And which do you think or re- let me rephrase this a different way. What do you think are some of the advantages and disadvantages of both approaches? And which one do you think leans toward being more effective for team building and business growth? Right. So that's an excellent question. I like the way you framed it. The best in the ideal world with the ideal relationship for you to have the best you know, the greatest, the the most efficient business growth, it would be the one where you can focus on your expertise and let your ghostwriter focus on their expertise. They know you, they understand you, they can write, they can, they can sound like you, and you don't have to micromanage them. The challenge I've observed is that oftentimes people don't trust their ghostwriters, or they don't trust the ones that they have to micromanage. They don't trust them, or they don't. They have trust issues in general. Right. Now, if that's an issue, it delays things. It del- it it kills creativity. You know, um, and you have to you have to approve every little comma. You have to approve every little word change. You have to approve every little thing. So by the time everything has been approved, 
the thing you were trying to do has either passed or or um, the passion that you had when you were coming up with those ideas have gone. And so it becomes a really, really challenging experience. So what people need to work on, what the team leader needs to work on, is finding a way to, to really understand this person that they're working with. Because so that they can build that trust, spend some time with each other, see some of their work. I mean, maybe in the beginning, they, they won't trust them completely, but learn to grow in that trust. Because yes, if you have a copywriter and you say, I don't have to approve anything, I mean, you have a ghostwriter, I'm sorry, and you say, I don't have to approve anything, go ahead, write whatever you want, and they write rubbish, that's not good for your brand. Right. And I've had that experience too, because I have people working with me, and they write things, and I might not look at it closely, and I say, oh, I trust them, they're wonderful. And then all of a sudden they'll do something terrible and I just, I, and then I'm glad that I paid attention. So it's one of those um, the kinds of relationships where, yes, you give them, you, you loosen up a little bit, but then you always pay attention. You always take time to oversee what's going on. Micromanaging, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for you as a team leader because you can't focus on what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be coming up with ideas. You're supposed to be coming up with creative, innovative ideas that will push your business forward. But you keep coming back to see what somebody that you've delegated to is doing and to try to correct that. Now, in the beginning of the relationship, okay, it makes sense. But after a while, you, you can't move forward in your organization. You can't do greater things because you're too busy trying to do this other person's job. To some extent, it almost means that you don't even need that person. You might as well just do everything yourself and right. be as frustrated as you want to be. So in the ideal world, but it's, it's better that you can give them that free hand to do what they need to do based on their own expertise. But I understand the relationship takes time. So invest in the relationship so that the trust factor grows. And then if they do something that's not quite acceptable sometimes, you understand, okay, it was a mistake. Errors happen. That's okay. But it's not that every little thing becomes like this big issue that, oh, my goodness, I'm not sure you're, you're the person for us. You're unprofessional, blah, blah, blah. No. You let it be um, a, a relationship that you invest in, and then you'll be able to work better together. Yeah, yeah, as I said, you know, I, I was asking on behalf of a colleague of mine who does this as their exclusive line of business. In fact, they're kind of an underground person where you can't even really find any website or any writing samples or anything. This is somebody you have to know somebody and get a referral because they don't advertise. They're the type of person that just wants to, you know, sit in their, you know, sit in their little bungalow with their laptop and just write all day long. Mm-hmm. Which goes back to what you said earlier, that not everybody wants to say, screw passion, build a team, and leverage, and, 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 and massive workers <laughs> and all that. They just want to make a nice living. Because this person I just told you about, I mean, they're, I mean, they're comfortably doing six digits. And because they have that type of business, mm-hmm. and because they have several long-term customers who have placed that level of trust in them and have come to depend on them, uh, you know, they don't have to worry about building a team. Everything they have going on in terms of uh, their lifestyle and saving up for their long-term wealth and everything else is going just fine with them on their computer 10 hours a day cranking the stuff out. Now, I do some of this myself, uh, and I'm not going to give any specifics for the same reason, because remember, when you're the ghostwriter, you're a mercenary. (laughs) You're the ghost. 
You don't get to come right. back 30 years <laughs> later and complain about the person you ghostwritten for <laughs> because you don't feel they gave you enough credit even though they put your name on the cover. I'm not referring to anything specific, folks. But anyway, um, as, I'm saying, as I'm saying about all this is I do this for a couple of my clients, and there's some very minor things that occasionally – come up. Uh, I can write things. I can send things uh, without their prior approval or review uh, because I'm in touch with them on a regular basis. I know what the strategies are with the business. I help to design the strategies. I'm the marketing guy, whatever it is. Uh, so if I'm putting content out there, the client already knows what it's for. They've already signed off on the initiative. And, they, and it's their expectation that anything that I put out under their name is going to match the strategic imperatives or the current marketing campaign or whatever it is. So if they see something going out, mm -hmm. like when they, when they see it themselves as a subscriber or they read it on their own blog, then it's their responsibility to call it out, which, you know, happens to me once or twice a year because we all screw up, right? And, I, and I, in fact, I'm just going to reveal to you mm -hmm. two of my, and I'm going to put this in air quotes, big screw-ups. One of which is, is um, you know, what we look to do sometimes is we look to link uh, our content to trends, things that are going on in, uh, in social media, things that are going on in mass media, things that are going on in the news. And I remember about six years ago, there was this movie that came out called Going the Distance. Uh, it starred Drew Barrymore and a bunch of other people, and it was about long-distance relationships. And uh, I wrote something and sent it out under my client's name that, was, uh, that linked their message and what they were doing to the release of this movie that had come out just that day. We were hoping to hop on the trend train, so to speak. Uh, now, of course, the clients had just recently entered a long-term relationship of their own, and they're freaking out thinking that their relationship is about to end because they've just lambasted their new love who lived in another continent. Well, first of all, the article didn't even criticize long-distance relationships. Second of all, uh, the person that they were in love with was also a marketer and understood what I just described to you. Uh, and third of all, my client didn't even read the article. So uh, after they got done spazzing okay. out, I asked, uh, I asked the person, uh, you know, and I, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I understand where they're coming from because they're in this new relationship where it's the honeymoon period. Everything that's said or done is a signal because the two are still getting used to being in a relationship with each other. So long-distance relationship, and mm -hmm. one of them posts something on their blog about what long, you know, something about long-distance relationships, having no idea how this other mm -hmm. person could interpret it. So after about four minutes of conversation, I spoke with this person. I found out they hadn't actually read the article. So what I said is, okay, here's what you do. <laughs> take three deep breaths. Pet your cat, take, a do take your dog for a walk, walk around the neighborhood, come back, read the article, and then give me a ring and tell me how this is no big deal. And uh, 10 minutes later, I got the call back, and he said, oh, okay, I see what you were, I see what you were doing there. And I, uh, and I sent a note to my, to my love across the pond and, uh, and just explained to them, you know, in case they see this before I have a chance to speak with them again. And it turned out there... And it turned out that their person from across the pond said, oh, yeah, I saw that. You have a pretty good ghostwriter, don't you? In other words, in, in other, in other words this, the point, the point, the, I spent three minutes on this story just to lead to the punchline that even if things sometimes look off kilter, it's really not a big deal. Uh, that's the first thing. The second, yeah. second 
is uh, I was uh, drafting content uh, for a client, and uh, this client, like me, has a cat. Uh, I have two cats. They have one cat, and they, they love their cat. Their cat hangs out on their desk with them while they're working, and, uh, and they sometimes have conversations with their cat. I voice my cat's side of the conversation. They don't, so they're not nuts about it like I am. But, uh, so, but, one, time I, but one time I sent out an email or had an email queued to send out on the, to go out on Saturday for their, one of their promotions. And I, you know, I wasn't really paying attention over the weekend because my clients know if there's an actual emergency, you pick up the damn phone on a weekend. You don't expect me to be there seven days a week. I'm a leveraged entrepreneur in my own way. Uh, so I came in on Monday, and I got a note from the guy, and uh, here's what happened. In the email that uh, I had queued to have sent out on Saturday, I used the word Catterday, which anybody who's really into the lolcat thing knows Catterday is the most important day of the week. And he, and, he, and he forwarded my email back to me, and he said, uh, just, uh, just for the future, this was 99% perfect, but I would never say Catterday to my audience. And I said, uh, okay. Mm. But no big deal. I mean, in fact, he tells the story to others, and, uh, uh, and uh, you know, we have a good laugh about it. So the point, reason I wanted to spend a few minutes yeah. on this is I wanted to deal with the issue of trust from a different perspective. And in both of these relationships right. I just described, the trust came from – giving the client the space to review what's going on, but also being in close contact with the clients and showing them that not only do I understand the strategic imperatives of their business, and I'm so challenged with pronouncing the word strategic for some reason, but I also contribute to developing (laughs) them. And now it becomes a matter of partnership. So that's what I want to deal with next is you have a team member, an employee, virtual assistant, temp contractor, whatever. And you want them to feel partnership with your business. You want them to feel like when they are working in or on your business, that they're working in or on their business. How do we get to that level of passion? Because that's where the magic is. Okay. Um, That is pretty much the, the, the main discussion. And, uh, I would go back to the team results maximizer strategy that we have, the game plan, which is you need to work on the communication. The communication encompasses everything, the way you communicate with the, your, your team member that you're working with, the way you let them know when they do something wrong. Because some people, you know, they immediately somebody makes a mistake, because they don't trust them, maybe they don't see them as professionals or whatever. Some people just assume that other people are not smart. Um, they, they immediately go into this mode of you're trying to destroy me or something, you know, and they go into this, like, exaggeration. And it doesn't work for the relationship because you go into this crazy mode and then the next thing is you want – to talk to them about how much you want them to be invested in your organization. No, it's not possible. When you put a lot of fear into the relationship and there's no trust, then it's not possible for them to be partners with you. So that's why it's important for you to have some control over yourself so that when you get angry, you don't respond in anger. And when you're happy, you don't make promises that you cannot keep because sometimes that happens as well. 
but it's about gaining control over yourself. Then it's about really knowing how to speak with these people, with each person individually. Kind of like that book, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. You need to know how to make people feel special. Yeah. (laughs) So you need to know how to make people feel special and how to make this individual person feel special, feel valued, feel noticed feel like they're, they're, uh, in, 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 they are impactful in your organization, that their thoughts and their opinions are valued. Now, I always talk about decisions. You need to invite people's um, recommendations into some of the decisions in your organization. Not every decision needs to be just by you as a team leader, especially when it impacts them. It's going to affect those people you're working with. It's going to affect the team. Get them involved in some of those decisions. Let them know that, okay, what is your opinion? And don't fake it. Don't say, oh, I want to know your opinion, but you've already decided, or you're really not listening, because they'll know as well. But some of those decisions, let them decide. And then also, when you're, when you're taking their advice, let them know, okay, this is actually going to be a decision that I'm making myself, but I want to hear your tips. I want to hear your advice. Or let them know you guys are going to decide this, so make the best decision. Because if you don't tell them that I'm still making the final decision and, um, and they keep giving you their feedback and everything and then you don't do what they say you should do, then they'll feel violated. They'll feel like, oh, you just came to waste their time. And then next time you ask for suggestions, everybody will be quiet and you'll feel, oh, my goodness, nobody has any ideas. But it's not true. They just don't trust you anymore. So that trusting relationship is very, very important. And then just appreciating people, letting them know that you value their feedback, you value the fact that they even come into work. Because people don't even understand that, yes, we all have bills, yes, we all have responsibilities, but even people that have bills and responsibilities that you've hired to help you, there's still a lot of people that won't do the work. They won't come in on time. They won't do the work on time. You know, they give you a lot of headache and a lot of issues. So when you have people who do the work on time, when you have people who you can see, they give you a lot of effort. When you have people who you can see, they're really trying. They're really doing the work. They're really engaging with you. They're coming with passion. They're coming with creativity. Even if you don't agree 100% of the time, let them know you appreciate that about them. Don't crush that about them because oftentimes you have created the environment that creates the kind of team member that you have. So you might say, oh, my goodness, my team members, they have no ideas. They're so, oh, my goodness, they're so dumb. They're so this, whatever. But really, it's a reflection of your leadership because, first of all, either you are a part of the people that hire them or you're a part of people that has made them feel disempowered enough or disenchanted so they're not willing to do anything. But if you want somebody to be a partner within your organization, then you need to work hard on hiring the right people, on, on, on creating the kinds of environments where the right people will be attracted to, on engineering the right fit for your organization, and then treating them like they are the right people. So sometimes, you, you know, you go through the interviews, People are excited. The team leaders are are talking about how wonderful this person is. And then once the person is hired, you start treating the person like crap. And that causes problems because 
it means it was after they started working with you that they went from superstar to nothing, you know? So somehow you have impacted this. So if you want a partner, you need to treat them like a partner. You need to work hard on making sure that you find a superstar to work with and then you keep treating them like superstars and they'll keep behaving like superstars. Right, precisely. And, you know, I know how it feels to be mentally checked out or to be showing up for work every day with my bags packed. Uh, I, you know, my last year working in corporates, uh, I discovered, I'm not going to get into the details of it because this is, you know, really your hour and there's one more big thing I want to cover with you, uh, is uh, let's just say that uh, my boss's boss was a total jerk. Uh, was the typical mm. type of person who got their own preconceived notions about things and then wouldn't hear other versions and uh, had to be right about things and and love to throw around mm-hmm. that phrase, perception is reality, meaning my perception will be your reality, which is what that phrase usually means in the authority <laughs> situation. So my thought was is I'm still doing this job, but I also have this business I'm starting on the side. Now, I'm kind of back and forth. Am I going to do the corporate hustle or am I going to go get myself a couple more clients and get myself the hell out of here and start doing my own thing? Well, let's just say that person helped me make the decision. I'm not going to say they made their decision for me because my decisions are mine. Uh, but I can tell you that uh, for the last, for, for the last uh, nine or ten months that I worked there, uh, I showed up and I worked from 8 to 4.30, but you know, I was I'm not going to say I phoned it in. I did everything that I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I met the requirements of my job description. But as far as um, as far mm-hmm. as asking me to really put my emotions into her to go above and beyond, no, <laughs> because mm-hmm. I was because I was saving that up yeah. for the evenings and weekends when I was building my business and working with my clients. So exactly that's so exactly. and that, and that's because and that and what that came down to is I felt unappreciated and felt overpowered by a lie. Mm. So you so yeah. for, for for all anybody knows listening is you can have people like that in your organization right now and you have absolutely no idea that there's something you might have done either in purpose or on purpose or inadvertently to make them feel that way and it's going to be cutting into your bottom line because without mm. my innovation and without me doing the extra mile because I was giving something else the extra mile you know, they probably didn't get as much out of me as they could have for this, the exact same money that was yeah. my salary. But that was that, that's their problem, not mine, as I see it. Just like if somebody on your team feels the way that I felt, that's the team leader's problem, not the team member's problem. I mean, that's, right. just, the, that's just the way it is in the real world. Leave all moralities and what should be aside. That's how it is in the real world. So, uh, right. and, and, the thing right. is my, and the thing is, my boss's boss... Uh, is one of those people who talks so much about emotional intelligence, you know she didn't really have any. So even if I explained this to her, she no, probably goodness. wouldn't get it. Because if you notice that, the people who talk about integrity 20 times a day are usually the ones who end up on American Greed. But it's the people who just demonstrate integrity without blabbing about it who you know are your straight shooters. Now, we have about uh, we have about eight right. minutes left here, and there is something else I want to get into, and this is really big when it comes to teams. Uh, two words for you, Asai. Email hell. You step away from your desk for an hour, or you shut down your laptop for an hour and then turn it back on again, and you have 32 more emails 
pertaining to one client, everybody is CC'd on everything and everybody's jumping into a conversation to say, yeah, or cool. And you have to sort through this and find out what, if any of it, even pertains to you. By the time you've just sorted through your email, you're mentally spent. And if this is a situation where this is just one of your several clients, you can burn all the time you have available to them just trying to interpret all this email. So how do we get people out of email hell so they can actually work and produce stuff? Mm, that's a good one. And it also reminds me of the the challenges that I, all, I always talk about with meetings and seeing everybody for every meeting. But let's talk about email. What I usually recommend is this. If it's really, really important, pick up the phone and talk to the person. You know, if you, you're just CC'd and it's not an important discussion, you don't have to comment. You might even ask to be removed from the, from the, from the, the list of people that are being emailed. So if you have this client and you have several clients and you see this topic, you see this issue, and, it, you, you know, it started, um, it started, you can just call the client and say, okay, I saw this email, you know, what's it about? Or if it's your team members, you say, I saw this email, what's it about? As opposed to taking the time and you're, you read, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Oh, no, this is terrible. And getting all these opinions and getting confused. As a leader, as a team leader, you need to educate your team members that you only put the essential people in these, uh, you only CC the essential people in these emails. Because when you start CCing everybody, you're making everybody unproductive. It, every, everything's pinging, and you're getting these ping and ping, and, and you're getting all these email boxes, and you don't even know what's important and what's not important. So you can just train them on those kinds of things. Have some kind of email etiquette where, where it says, if this person is not essential, you don't have to CC them. And if you're CC'd on an email and you don't, you're not essential, you don't have to respond to it. And then call. If it's really, really important, just pick up the phone and call. Yes, you might not have all the time in the world, but calling can actually save you hours of your time. Yeah. Here's, here's what I do uh, with the Business Creators Institute is we have a, a titanium level. And only if you're in a titanium level or if we have some kind of private coaching thing going on, it's outside the official offerings where there's a significant amount of investment going on, uh, people at those levels have my Skype. And only those people have my Skype. Okay. So these are the people who can you know, go to their Skype and they can look and see, is my little dot red? Is my little dot green? Because right now, since we're doing an interview, you, know, you and me, my little dot is red. But if they see it's green, mm -hmm. then they can open up their window, open up a chat, and type these three words. You ready for these three words? Brace yourself. These are, these, are powerful, these are powerful words. Uh, are you ready for this? Okay, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm really trying to prep you here. The three words are, got a sec? <laughs> That's powerful. I like that. Yeah, and, 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 I, and, I, and I have very strict limits on who gets to say, got a sec, to me, where it's something I actually have to respond to, which translates into top clients. Because these are people who are making the investment. These are people who are taking the steps. These are people who are all in. So these are the people who I need to be focusing my energy on. Also, 
Also, and this is another very critical thing for everybody to listen to when we talk about using the phone and getting out of the email hell. Number one, don't be calling people just to whisper sweet nothings in their ear. So I like all oh, my I like I like I like all my calls to be scheduled. So with all of our top clients, like I just described, there's a weekly call once a week where it's scheduled same time, same day every week, and that's where we get into stuff. So all their minor stuff they just bring with us bring with me them to the meeting. I bring all my minor stuff to the meeting and we hash it out. Sometimes it takes a whole hour, we bang it out. Uh uh, emails, uh, they know that uh, they know from me that the phrase urgent and email, the phrase urgent email itself is an oxymoron. There's no such thing as an urgent email. Email is like sending a letter in the mail. There's True. nothing urgent about this. If you are close enough to me where your emergencies could impact my day, uh, two things. Open up Skype, type those three words, got a sec, or pick up the phone and call. And announce yourself when you dial my direct extension so I know it's you and I recognize you as being a premium client and somebody who I would take that call or give a call right back if I couldn't do it. Like if somebody called me right now, I'd have to call them back in eight minutes. That's just the way it is. Uh, but that right. right there is key. So you use the phone strategically. Not usually, You don't call three times a day to skip email because email has its place. But – if I'm seeing like let's right. say let's say you are my client let's say um let's say that you are my client um if you're calling me and mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting to call and I see your name and your number on my ID you should be calling rare enough that I know this is probably important I need to answer this or call this right back same if I'm calling you right. if you're my client so if I'm calling you as the client you know I'm not just calling to say hey what's up I'm actually doing you know, cuz I'll do my hey what's up on our weekly call but, uh, you know, this, uh, right. this is for a reason like, hey, we have a disaster or, look, there's a huge opportunity at your door right now. How are we responding? That's, that's the level we need to be talking about here. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But that, is, that comes when you're organized. Right. That's very, that's very, that's very true. And organization is a big deal. So uh, – just, uh, you know, as we wrap up, because it turns out we have an extra minute I didn't think we were going to have, um, what are some of the top softwares do you use for teams, whether it's project planning, schedule planning? Like, how would you do it? If you were coming in and you were helping somebody get organized around this team stuff, what are some of the softwares you'd use to help them get organized and get running effectively? Okay, there's so many great ones. Um, it's usually the, the team management software where you are exchanging information, which right. also helps you so you don't have the email challenges. So there's Trello. I usually like Trello, and then I love Slack. Slack is really good. It helps you to associate a hashtag for each project that you're working on, and then you can have all your team information within Slack. So I'll just say Slack and Trello for now because there's so many of them. Right. Those help you to be more efficient efficient and asana yes asana is really good you can okay. assign tasks and you can be more efficient with your project management yeah um i'm not a huge fan of project management systems because that's just not the type of business i'm in but when they have the ability mm -hmm. to if you ever update somebody's project it sends them an email and they can reply to it by email and it mm -hmm. gets appended to the project that's fine by me. Also, what I like about these projects is let's say there's something assigned and there are documents attached to his exhibits. I can take all that and stick that on the project rather than have to go back to my email or have separate folders. So that's nice too. Uh, 
Exactly. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Do you? And and I imagine you probably recommend the use of schedulers as well. So like, uh, so you know, you can block out times on your day when you're busy and when you're available for phone calls. People who have access to get on the phone with you can just book themselves in. Yes. Yes. Um, Acuity scheduler is a very good one. Okay. Uh, for you to block out times, for you to have scheduled times. But um, when it comes to leading your team, you really have to get into project management software or else you're going to be sending emails and you have to go and search for emails when you can just attach all the important documents within the project management software. Yeah, so what we've dealt with in the past few minutes between you and me is just how we get out of the email hell and how we get things organized because just sorting through all these CCs and finding all the emails pertinent to a project when you finally get around to actually doing it it's probably half the time right there. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that inefficient and unnecessary. <laughs> right, right. So, and when you get rid of that, then I imagine that we can have, uh, you know, we can get much greater returns on our investment, greater revenues and greater profits. Exactly. And exactly. when you're organized, your team also feels a lot more relaxed and they're able to do their work more efficiently because, they don't feel so tense. They're not confused as to what's the next step. They, exact, they know what's the next step. They know where the project's going. They know when there's a delay. They know what's expected. And when everybody's on the same page, then you, you can only expect success. Yes, exactly. So we are right here at the top of the hour, which is unfortunate because – you know, I could keep going for two hours here. We could go on this all day, but we're about to get shut off here because we're near the top of the hour. But I want to turn over the uh, floor to you for just one more minute. Um, anybody who's interested in learning more about you and how you serve business creators, um, how do you help us and how can you get a hold of you? Yeah, so I help businesses. I help leaders to build teams that get the kinds of results that the leaders want. And you can just you can get in touch with me going on my website osailasisi.com, and I have a, a wonderful bonus, a wonderful freebie, a wonderful free course that helps you to boost your income by you know increasing employee engagement, and that's osailasisi.com/boost. B-O-O-S-T. Yeah, I love that, and everybody. Um who's listening to Business Creators Radio Show knows you can just go to Asai's profile on Business Creators Radio Show, and the link will be right there. So uh, we are at the top here. So Asai Amokpai Lasisi, I hope I got that right. Uh, I want to thank you so much for being here today. It's been an honor and an education. As you know, I ask all of our guests how to pronounce their names before we come out of the green room. So, uh, yeah, because people, believe it or not, screw up my name all the time. So, Sai, again, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much, Adam. It has been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate your time. Thank pleasure, you. pleasure is all mine, and the honor is for our audience who has learned so much from you today. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and on iTunes, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.